0: Scripture, good, you're going to get a lot of it, Um, you're going to get so much of it uh, that you're not going to remember any of it, but that's okay because you're going to have the DVD available next week, so pick up a copy, um, watch it, read Scripture, and then live it. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. That is 1 John 2.17. Now when you have done the will of God, you will receive what God has promised. That's Hebrews 10.36. But if you do not do the will of God, it doesn't matter how many times you say, Lord, Lord. It doesn't matter how loudly you shout hallelujah. It doesn't matter how high you lift up your hands. If you do not do the will of God, you're not entering the kingdom of heaven. Matthew seven twenty one. So what is the will of heaven? We've heard a lot spoken about this over the last few days. I'm going to speak about a few things in particular. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, which says rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Will you say it together with me? Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We're going to take each of these commands and they're commands. They're not requests. They're not suggestions. They are commands. We're going to take each one of these commands individually and we're going to hope that God gives us new insights and new understanding into it. Because if we don't have new insights and we don't have new understanding, we will continue to live dejected, miserable, boring lives as we have been living all these years. Yes or no? Have you seen a joyous Christian? I'm being honest, very rarely have I seen a Christian filled with joy. Even those who pray constantly, even those who claim to have a good relationship with Jesus are some of the most miserable specimens of human beings I have ever seen. And I don't want to see that, do you? You don't want to be that, do you? So we're going to look at how to rejoice always. Once again, as I said, this is not a suggestion. This is not something that God is saying, try to do. This is something that God is commanding you to do. Rejoice always. Paul says this in this letter to the Thessalonians. He also says this in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. When he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Have you heard that song? You have? Let's hear it again. Stand up. We're going to have fun today. (laughs) The choir is always taken by surprise. So give them a couple of seconds. (laughs) That's always good. Nice! letter to the Philippians. Paul speaks to them about joy. In fact, the entire theme of the letter to the Philippians is joy. And the strangest thing is that when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was in jail awaiting possible death. And you have to wonder, you have to wonder, how could a man in jail awaiting death rejoice? And command us to rejoice. He must have something. He must know something that we don't know. Because none of us are waiting death here, are we? At least not in jail, are we? And yet, yet we don't rejoice the way that Paul did. I want to look at some of the other things that happened to Paul. Let me read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 onwards. As servants of God, We commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying, yet we live on, beaten, yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, always rejoicing. And you have to wonder, you have to wonder, how does a man like this rejoice when he is going through all of this? And he went through all of this. He went through beatings, he went through lashings, he went through imprisonment, he went through shipwreck. He had a miserable life yet he never ever was sad and we, we, the smallest little thing that happens to us and we look like wounded puppies. True or not true? You get a small scolding from someone and you will pout like a little child for weeks not talking to your spouses or your parents or your bosses. I scolded a man in my ministry a year ago. I told him to stop doing something in praise and worship, and he stopped coming altogether. We are so sensitive. We are so prideful. We are so arrogant. And we are so miserable because we don't understand what it is to have the joy of the Lord. So how do we get it? How do we get it? How was Paul able to do this? Not once or twice, right through his life, how was he able to do this? Last year I was in the Caribbean and for those of you who don't know, the Caribbean is nothing more than a group of small little islands separated by bodies of water. And the way to go from one island to another is in a small little plane that sounds like a motorcycle taking off or by boat. And the boat ride is not a very pleasant one. We got into these little boats and the boats would go bobbing up and down. And I'm telling you, everybody in the boat felt sick, including me. But then I realized, as the boat was moving up and down, if I kept my eyes fixed on a solid object, I didn't feel very sick. And there was a huge rock in the middle of the ocean and I looked at that. And as I looked at that the boat was bobbing around me, but I couldn't care less because my eyes were fixed on an object that didn't move. And the secret of getting joy, the way Paul experienced it and the other apostles experienced it, is to keep their eyes on the rock. And what rock? The rock of ages, the rock of salvation. And who is that rock? Who? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus. And when you keep your eyes on that rock, the whole world can move around you. Waves can churn around you. You can be buffeted by the waves. The entire world can shift, but you will remain stable because you, God, your eyes fixed on an object that scripture says will remain the same yesterday, today and forever. For those of you who take notes that is Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever and when you have a constant like that how does that constant make a difference in your life because you know you know that you might change but that constant is not going to change he is always going to be faithful he is always going to be merciful. He's always going to be compassionate. He's always going to be there to forgive you. He's always going to be there for you and you might change but he's never going to change and that constant is what results in the tremendous joy that you feel in your heart. But if you look at the world you will never be joyful because your world is in constant flux. If you look at your family for happiness, you will never get happiness there because our family members have a mind of their own, as you probably know. You can't get your wife to do what you want her to do. You can't get your husband to do what you want him to do. You can't even get your children to do what you want them to do. So if you base your happiness, your joy on them, you will never have it. But if you keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Jesus, you can experience this joy no matter what happens in your lives. I know the apostles, you'll find this in Acts chapter 5. They got beaten, you know. They got beaten, why? Because they were proclaiming the name of Jesus and because they worked a miracle in his name, so they were flogged. Verse 41 of the same chapter, that's Acts 5, 41 says, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they were counted worthy of suffering for their Lord. In Acts 16, once again we find them in jail, having beaten, flogged mercilessly, tied to stocks. And in the middle of all of that, you know what they started doing? They started to sing. Why? Because they understood. What did they understand? They understood that these were only temporary things. But there was something permanent and they had the eyes on that. So they could afford to rejoice in the middle of their sufferings. And if we want to rejoice, we also need to do the same thing. Is everyone listening to me? There was a man who was shipwrecked. And he found himself on an island all by himself. Now he was a very prayerful man, so he prayed. But a few days later, there was no rescue in sight. So he kind of gave himself into his situation and decided to make a little hut for himself. So collecting supplies that had been washed ashore, he made a nice hut He made it a little comfortable and he started living there. But he didn't lose his faith in God. Every day he would get up in the morning and pray to God. Every evening he would go to sleep praying to God. And during the course of the day he would continue to pray. One evening he went out hunting for food. And when he came back he found his hut was on fire. He desperately tried to go and save his hut and all the possessions inside. But everything burned to the ground. All the hope this man had just crumpled into pieces. He kind of sat down over there, discouraged and troubled, and said, God, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Even when there was no hope of survival, I prayed and this is what I get in return for my prayers. He spent the entire night unable to sleep, having his faith fall to shreds. But in the morning when he opened his eyes, he saw a little boat coming towards him and far away in the horizon was the mothership. In the night, the captain of the ship had seen this fire on this island and knew there was a human being living there and so he sent the boat to help this man who was there. We know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Romans 8 28 What does it say? We know we know say it with me. We know that in all things things God works works for the good good of all those who love him him. Do you love him? Then you should know that in all things not a few things not in most things that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And if you believe that, if you believe that, there is nothing on this earth that can take your joy away. Nothing. And this is what I want you to experience in your lives. Joy that cannot be taken away. A few weeks ago, I took a class on paradigm shift. And I spoke about how we sometimes need to look at things differently because the way we do things depends on the way we look at them. And it's only when we start to look at things differently can we start to do things differently. And over the last three months I've started to put this into practice. Why do I need to be depressed? Why do I need to be sad? Why do I need to be miserable? Why do I need to give in to temptation? I am not an animal, I have a choice. I said this to you two weeks ago, do you remember? And I started putting it into practice. And as a result, not only has my life changed dramatically, the lives of those around me has changed as well. And I would like to invite Janet, where is she? To give you a little testimony of how joyful the office is these days. Put your hands together for her, place. For those of you who don't know, Janet is my girl Friday. She works in the office along with me and a few other people. She's a constant source of cheer. But despite that, today morning she said something to me. She said, Anil, there is a new joy here. The circumstances have not changed. We still go through the same things that we've gone through. But there's something different. And I would like her, I've not told her to say anything, but I would like her to share what she believes has changed because truly we need to change all of us. Do you agree? Good, listen to her.
1: Even I don't know what I'm gonna say. (laughs) Okay, um, I'll just start from this afternoon. While we were praying, I was just feeling this, um, I was was feeling like thanking God, uh, because I realized that there was some difference, especially from the last few weeks, uh, with everything around, not only with me, but with everything around. And I was just thinking about it during prayers. We have our afternoon prayers and Mirdiv, so I was just thinking about it during prayers. And uh, I was just thinking that nothing external has changed. Like, everything else around is the same. You know, so I, uh, I feel lonely sometimes. Everything, everything around is the same, but then still there is a joy. And then we realize that it is a choice, basically. You need to choose to be happy. You need to choose to... Circumstances will not change, but something inside has to change. Something inside ourselves has to change. So that's what I realized this afternoon, that external things have not changed, but something inside me has changed. And I choose to be happy. And whatever happens, whatever my circumstances, whatever I feel, sometimes I just feel horrible. I don't even feel like smiling, but I'm like, no, God is with me. And everything will pass, but I know that one thing will not pass. I know that God will remain the same and he will be with me. He will take care of me in spite of everything. So that keeps me happy.
0: And that is what has changed. She's always had faith. She's always believed in God, but now she started to look at him a little differently from the way she has been looking at him all these years. And if you want to change, paradigm shift, change the way you look at the world around you and change the way you look at God. How many of you know the story of Peter walking on water? Everybody knows the story. And you know the story because I've told it to you a hundred times. But it is a story worth repeating, especially for those who haven't heard it from me. You have Peter in a boat in the middle of a storm. It is raging all around. It is four o'clock in the morning. And in the middle of all of this, a man comes out walking on the water. As it is, you're scared. You're going to be even more scared because you think, hey, this is not good. I'm seeing ghosts now. Until Jesus says, hey, it is me. And then Peter, you know Peter? He says, hey, that's cool. I want to do it too. So Jesus said, come on in. The water is good. And Peter gets out of the boat. And he starts to walk on the water towards Jesus. Doing something Nobody has ever done before. But then suddenly, suddenly, he looks at the storm and what happens to him? He begins to sink. Now, I have a question for you. Where was the storm all this time? Had it stopped? The storm was still raging. The waters were still churning. The boat was still rocking. Peter was still walking on the water. Why? Because he had his eyes fixed on the rock of all ages. And as long as you have your eyes fixed on the rock of all ages, nothing can make you sink. It is only when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm did he go down into the water. Now, if you want to battle the storms in your lives, I know domestically, financially, in the office, in prayer groups, in the church, only one thing you can do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What happened to Janet happened to me also. Last night, I didn't sleep because I was crowned. I was crammed because I'd been fasting for the last three days and I started eating last night and my body couldn't take it. So all through the night, I was all getting cramps on my legs, cramps in my back, cramps everywhere you can imagine. Now under normal circumstances, I'd have woken up feeling terrible. You know, I'd have been grumpy and I'd have been grouchy and I might not have said anything to anyone, but I'd have been quiet by myself. But now I realize something. The same thing that Jana told you about. We have a choice. We can choose to look at our pains and the fact we haven't slept all night. Or we can look at Jesus And the love that he has, and the way he cares for us, and the fact that I can not sleep for the rest of my life, but as long as he's there by my side, I really have everything I need. So why worry? Why worry? Are you getting answers to your questions here? All those of you who have never been able to rejoice. All those of you who have been living miserable, mournful lives. You don't need to do that. Let anything happen, let anything happen and understand, if you love God, God works for your good no matter what happens. Let us imagine for instance that you're sick. Okay, how many of you are sick over here? Raise your hands. Go on. Okay. You don't raise your hands, you don't get healing. You heard that, right? How many of you are sick? Pretty miserable, isn't it, to be sick? You know, your body is not kind of functioning the way it should, you don't feel like going to work. There are aches and there are pains. True, there's reason not to rejoice, but not if you believe in God. How many of you have problems with your marriages? Okay, don't raise your hands. I know you don't want anybody to know, yeah? We all like to give everyone the illusion that our marriages are fine and strong and intact. But the truth, most of your marriages suck. Okay, I know. I know. So what do you do? Husband's having an affair. Child is disobedient. Parents are old, grumbling, grouchy all the time, putting pressure on you. What do you do? Are oh, you go to work and your boss is this mean, horrible guy who finds only you to yell at. You know, everybody else is doing worse work than you. You're doing the best you can, but there's your boss. Whoa, 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 wow. You know, what do you do? Yeah, no. How can I rejoice? How can I rejoice? By understanding that God is with you. By understanding his promises to you are everlasting. By understanding his love for you is forever. And is so strong that he is your father. Who? God is your father. Jesus is your? And your? And your? And your? Good, I need you to remember that. I'm going to come to that in a minute. And the Holy Spirit is your counselor. Now, if you are sick, Jesus, I believe you're going to heal me. Because I have faith. Your word says that. Give him his own word back. That's what we do. Give him his own word to him and remind him of what he has said. Not that he needs reminding, but say, Lord, this is what you said. But, but tell him also, if this is not your will for me, it is okay. Because I believe, I know that in all things you work for the good of all those who love you. A few weeks ago, or was it a few months, or was it a few years, I don't remember. I told you the story of Daniel and his three friends. And you remember how Daniel's three friends were told to go inside this place of fire? And you know what they said to the king? Our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, that's cool with us. We're not going to bow down to you. We won't bow down before any God. Do the same thing here. Tell God, I believe you're going to heal me. But even if you don't heal me and I die, I know I'm going to a better place up there. That is what gives you the joy you need forevermore. And I want to give you a witness. I want to give you a witness. Very often we have testimonies from people who have been healed. I'm going to give you the testimony from a wife whose husband died two months ago. Okay? I've spoken about this man several times. And I spoke about how this man always was rejoicing. He was in pain. Trust me. He was in pain. This man, not a sound, not a sound, not a whimper. Just a smile on his face and a declaration of faith. God will heal me. But even if he takes me up, it's fine. His wife and two daughters. Are you here, Lavina? Come please. Come, let's put our hands together for her. You want to see how a Christian should look like after they have lost somebody they loved to God? This is the way a Christian should look like. Really put your hands together for her. This is my sister of whom I am so proud. Do you miss your husband? (laughs) Yes, she does. Of course she does. She would miss her husband just like all of us would miss our spouses if they were to go away. I would miss you, my wife. really? <clears throat> I would not follow you, but I would miss you. I want to ask you a few questions. I don 't want you to just testify. Um, I want you to ask questions I know my brothers and sisters would like to ask of you. How was Ajit always so happy? How, how was he always cheerful? I know I saw him, he was he was in a bed with all these tubes sticking into his nose and mouth, but
2: he was never unhappy. How? Uh, God's presence was in our house, you know, and we were always uh, praising and uh, worshipping God and most of the time we used to spend time in prayers and thanksgiving. And so how did that affect him? He had a lot of strength and uh, he had the willpower and he was very strong in faith. And uh, this faith came through, uh, you know, attending uh, HSI and uh, we had been to Tabor for retreat and, uh, you know, and uh, we be- he became more closer.
0: I wasn't here when he passed on, uh, but I know that he was very sick uh, before he uh, went to the Father. How was he like in his last few hours?
2: Uh, He was uh, very cheerful and he was in great pain. And uh, he was uh, ready for God's call.
0: But you said he was still cheerful despite the pain.
2: Yes, he was.
0: How do you feel now after he's gone away?
2: Uh, Yeah, we we do miss him a lot uh, because his presence is not in the house. And especially when we come home after my... Work like you know, and uh, uh, we do miss him. And uh, we feel uh, sometimes very lonely uh, in the house. But my daughter, the younger one, she always uh, tells that uh, we are feeling jealous of uh, Dada because he went to heaven first.
0: Thank you, put your hands together for her. Thank you so much. You want to be unhappy all your lives? Be my guest. But why would you want to be? Why would you want to be? Your boss fires you, you're letting him have dominion over you and your happiness. Why would you want to be that way? You have a boyfriend or a girlfriend who dumps you and there you're moaning and moping for months. You know, you don't eat food, you don't smile, you don't laugh. You want to be that way? Things of this earth come and go. Things of this earth are transient. Everything, everything. But the one thing that doesn't change is whose love is the same as it was yesterday, today, and forever. Put your faith in that love and nothing can shake you. Nothing can move you. Nothing can take your joy away. And that is the way I want us to live for the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Now we come to number two. What is that? Pray. Say it again. Pray. Pray. Which means what? Pray non-stop. And one of the best persons we can learn from is Jesus himself. From the moment he began his ministry to the moment he went away on the cross, all he did was pray. Luke chapter 3, I think it is verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And when he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down upon him. In bodily form like a dove. Luke chapter 23 verse 46. Jesus is now on the cross. And his last words were once again a prayer. What was the prayer? Into your hands I commend my spirit. And right through his ministry. We find him praying in the morning. Praying in the afternoon. Praying in the evening. We find him praying before he did things. We find him praying when he was doing things. We find him praying after he was doing things. Very often he would wake up very early in the morning. How many of you know what early in the morning is? Yeah, you wake up to see the sunrise. Oh, yeah. When's the last time you saw a sunrise? Any of you? Don't answer. Don't answer. Lazy bunch of people, you. Yeah, and there's one over there. She's been saying she's going to get up to come for mass. Every morning, and there's no sign of her. I will not look at you. (laughs) Early in the morning, after a long day's work of preaching and teaching and healing the sick and delivering people of demons, Jesus woke up in the morning to pray so that he could be prepared for another long day of preaching and teaching and healing the sick and delivering people of demons. Early in the morning, he woke up and prayed. And he said, we need to do the same. Well, maybe not wake up as early as Jesus did, although it wouldn't hurt for you to do that. And when you wake up, what do you need to do? Matthew chapter six, verse six. When you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then verse seven. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans because they think they will be heard because of the many words they say. Do not be like them because your father already knows what you need before you ask him. When you pray, what do you do? What do you think prayer is? Ask, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. That is what we believe prayer is. And that is why we can't pray constantly. But prayer is a relationship. What is prayer? Between whom? Between whom? Between us and God. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. He says, you know him? The most powerful being in creation? He who breathed life into everything. He who created the sun and the moon and the stars and even you? He is your." Father, and this is how you must pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, But deliver us from the evil one. This is how you must pray to your father, who is my father too. And when you pray to our father, what are you going to tell him? He the master of the universe. What are you going to ask him that he doesn't know already? To give you money, you think he doesn't know you need money? To give you a job, you think he doesn't know you need a job? To give you food, you think he doesn't know that? That's what you need Jesus is telling you the right things to ask him and what are the right things to ask him hallowed be thy name let your name be hallowed by what we do we your children here on earth let our actions determine how hallowed your name is that is what we want your kingdom come Kingdom is there in heaven, but we want your kingdom established here on earth. That is a prayer that we need to make. And how is this kingdom going to be established here on earth? If we go proclaiming the good news about the kingdom. Your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done. And then you say, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our word, food that we need for our soul. We know that you will look after our bodies because you promised that you're going to do that. But we need food for our spirit. We need food for our souls. How many Christians do you know who don't know the word of God? Haven't heard anything at all? What food are they going to get? They're dying out there. I thank God for you. I thank God that you come here. I thank God that you continue to come here to listen to the word and to be strengthened by it to be encouraged by it, to be emboldened by it. The word of God, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and do not bring us to the test, do not lead us into temptation, but protect us from the evil one. If God is our father, What does that make Jesus our brother? And a brother should typically be a friend, and you've heard me say that a lot of times. You heard Brother Tony say that to you last week. He is your friend. Anyone who does the will of my father is my brother or my sister. What is the will of God to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances? You know, he's my friend, he's the best friend I have, and every day I love him more. And for the last 10 years, every day I've loved him more and more and more until now, my heart is so full of love for Jesus. But you know what? It's still not completely full because there are parts of my heart that are still things that I keep for myself. But I'm giving, and every day I will continue to give more. And if you want to be happy in your life, that's what you need to do. And it's easy if Jesus is your friend. Because when somebody is your friend, and when you love this friend so much, then all you want to do is what? Spend time with him. And that is what I enjoy doing. Really, all of you, you're invited to my house for prayers in the afternoon. You will know what it means like praying to a friend. Instead of mournful, bitter, constantly, you know, seriously, you know. Happy prayers that will make God happy. And when he's happy, you also are happy. Come to my house one o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Sister Xenia, come here. Come here, come here. I'm gonna interview you also. All right, say hello to the camera. Millions of people watching you on international television. Hello <laughs> All right, if, that, if she wasn't nervous already, now I'm sure that made her nervous. How did you pray in the old days, before you came to HSI and before you started having this afternoon sessions with me?
3: Prayers by rote, actually. You know, the ones we've, we've learned over the years, navina prayers, and um, like the Our Father, Hail Mary, the Rosary. So, and basically, uh, there was never thanking before. You don't start with thanking, you know. Just say those prayers and then, you know, make petitions and for whatever then, you need. And know. how do you
0: pray now? How, what's the style in the afternoon?
3: Uh, we begin with thanking God and, uh, thanking for, I mean, initially I thought it was funny, but you know, like small things, thank you for the breath of life. Thank you for, uh, my hands and feet. I mean, we knew all of this before, but we never made, we never did it consciously. So it was there and, and we never even said it out. We, we knew it in our hearts and it was, it was just there, but now we, uh, it's verbal, it's verbalized. We say it aloud. So, you know, um, Uh, We kind of acknowledging God when we do that.
0: Are you happy when you pray? Do you joke with Him?
3: Uh, Yes, I do now, not before.
0: (laughs) And how does that feel?
3: It feels good. It really does because um, what I've realized is it lightens the heart and uh, it doesn't make God uh, look like, you know, the strict father or somebody who's there to punish us but rather like a friend who you, who you would talk to um, otherwise and you know, so you look forward to the prayer time. Honestly.
0: And uh, does it take away from the spirituality or does it add to it?
3: No, I don't think it takes away from the spirituality because if we were with a friend, that's what we would do. We would talk about serious things and we joke a lot as
0: well. Amen. Amen. Thank Put your hands together for us. If you are with a friend, what will you do? Act like you're with a friend. If you're with a father, what will you do? Act like the person you're with is a father. Yeah, which doesn't mean you forget that he's a holy God. Don't do that. But it doesn't mean you can't joke with him. It doesn't mean you can't play with him. It doesn't mean you can't laugh with him. We were just talking about this today. And how often have you seen Jesus with a smiling face? Look at that. Look at that. That is the way I want you to see God as as a happy God, not as a God who is so sad and miserable. You look at a God who's sad and miserable, no wonder you're sad and miserable all the time. Picture him as a happy guy because he's a happy guy. And why shouldn't he be a happy guy? Seriously, you think God is sad? Well, maybe looking at us, he feels sad. That is because we are so sad. But if he sees us happy, how's he going to feel? He's going to feel happy, is he not? If you're a father and your children are sad all the time, you will get depressed whether you want it or not. But if you see your children, they're bubbly. They're kind of jumping up and down. They're cracking jokes with you. They come sit on your lap. They pull your cheeks. They play with your hair. How are you going to feel? Unless you really are a grouch, you will enjoy that. You will really enjoy that. And that is what our father in heaven is like. That is what Jesus is like. I often think of the wedding feast at Cana. What do you think he was doing? Sitting in one corner? I'm sure he's out there with the rest of the people dancing and making merry because that is the nature of Jesus. One of us, happy person. And I need you to start thinking of him like that. Which is once again why I did the paradigm shift with you. To make you look at things a little differently because unless you start to look at things differently, you will continue to do things in the old way and they will get you nowhere except tears. So pray to your father. Pray to your friend, but treat him like a father. Treat him like a friend. And if you crack a few jokes with him, trust me, he will not mind. Will you, Lord? No. (laughs) I have to speak for him. He speaks through us, no? Amen. Okay, I'm running out of time. And I still have one more thing to tell you. So we're going to get straight to it. What's the last thing? Say it again, give thanks in all circumstances, not some circumstances, not most circumstances, in all circumstances. Why? Because everything is good. Thank you, Brother Jihad, because everything is good. For those who love Jesus. Jesus also thanked God. You know, as often as he prayed, he thanked. He thanked God for everything. And because he thanked, God worked great miracles in his life. There is something that our sister didn't share when she came out here. Despite everything her husband was going through. Despite everything she was going through. Despite everything the two daughters were going through, they're very small. They never stopped thanking God. And you know what God did for them? He paid all their bills. He made sure that during these two years that he couldn't work. He still had his job. After he passed on, he got all his benefits. His company paid for all the expenses of the funeral, covered them for everything. Why? Put your hands together. Seriously. This is testimony. Because they gave thanks to God in all circumstances. They didn't grumble. They didn't groan. They didn't moan. They thanked God. And if you're going through bad stuff in your life, and you are, many of you, what are you doing? Stop grumbling. Stop grumbling now and start thanking. Now you don't thank God for all circumstances, I need you to understand this. Paul is not saying you thank God for injustice. God is not saying you thank God for the things in Syria or Iraq or Israel, now. But God is saying, Paul is saying give thanks to God in all circumstances. I met a um, woman yesterday whose husband has kind of wandered away and um, He's checking the view out and sometimes the view out seems a lot better than the view at home. Um, Right? Stupid men. Men. Men are very stupid sometimes. You know? Yes, men. What are the women answering for? I'm speaking to the men. Seriously now. eh? Yeah, the men are just looking at their feet feeling sheepish. Yeah, okay. I checked the view out and finally I came back home. Anyway, never mind. I told her, thank God. Why thank God? because of the situation in your life you are coming closer to Jesus you have not been for confession in years you have not had a relationship with God even though you say you believe him your child would never come to a knowledge of Jesus and salvation now because of this you are coming to God so give thanks to God in all circumstances look at Paul he thanked God constantly despite being beaten, despite being in floods, despite being in all kinds of situations. Why? Because he knew that God was strengthening him, God was growing him, God was raising him up to be the man that he turned out to be. These last 10 years have not been easy for me, you know. A lot of people think that I suddenly came here and I'm the superstar, but you have no idea of what all I've been through over the last 10 years. The struggles, the persecutions, the abuse, the slander, There was once the bishop came and made me stop my prayer meetings. We listened without question. He said, close the meetings down. The next day the meetings were closed. Why? Because even then, and this is about six years ago, I knew. I knew that God worked for the good of all those who loved him. I knew God had his reasons for what he did. I accepted that. A year later, the bishop gave his approval to HSI as a legal association of faith. Now what would have happened? What would have happened if I would got angry with him? What would have happened if I said, no, don't dare shut us down. God has called us. God is using us and continue doing it. We wouldn't be where we are today. A year later, we had permission to start schools of discipleship in Bombay. We had a school that was running beautifully. We had 80 people over there, all of them burning on fire for God. By the end of the time, every single one of them went back to their parishes and started working in different capacities as lectors, as Eucharistic ministers, as catechists, as confirmation teachers. The bishop there closed us down. Now we could have said no. We could have said, how can you do that? We could have said, God has given us the authority to continue our work and started schools without the church's permission. But we didn't do that. We've always been obedient to our superiors. What we didn't understand until a year later is that if we had got permission to continue in Bombay we wouldn't have moved westward and today our ministry is right around the world simply because God works for the good of all those who love Him. So remember this. Remember this at all times. If you want to be happy. If you want to rejoice constantly Be in union with God. Make Him your friend. Love Him. And truly, our Father is simply the most amazing Father you could ever imagine having.
4: Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your parenthood and your loving care. Now I am your child, I am adopted in your family, and I can never be alone. Because, Father God, you're there besides me. I will sing your praises. I will sing your praises. I will sing your praises forevermore. Yes, I will. Sing your praises, I will, sing your praises, I will, sing your praises forevermore. Sing with me. And I will love you, Father, I will, love you, Father, I
0: This field is burning in our hearts today. All of us want to rejoice, Lord. Not a temporary rejoicing, but a rejoicing that will simply flood our souls. We know we can do that, Lord, as if we stop looking at the world around us and stop feeling sick by the way it makes us bob up and down. But if we look at you, if we look at you and understand that you are a constant, we look at you and understand that your promises are constant. That you say to us, come to come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And we know we can take that to the bank. We know that, that we can be tired physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We know we can be weakened by sin, struggling by it. But we know if we come to you, we will get the rest that we need because you are a constant. We know that we can come to you for forgiveness, that it doesn't matter what we have done in our lives. If we turn back to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry, instantly, without any questions asked, we're forgiven. We know that we can depend on you for everything because your word says over and over again, I am with you. I am with you forever. I am with you until the end of the age. Your word says over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be at peace because I'm with you. And this is what we're taking with us home tonight, Lord. That we're going to leave all our worries behind. We're going to leave all our baggage behind. We're going to leave all our anxieties behind. Yes, we might be sick. We believe you will heal us. Yes, we might be struggling with sin. We believe you will deliver us. Yes, we believe we're struggling with so many things, but we believe you will liberate us, Lord. Lord, even if you are to take your time, we know, we know that in all things, in all things, you work for our good. And Lord, we trust that. We're going to trust that for the rest of our lives. And for the rest of our lives, we're going to rejoice. We're going to pray. And we're going to give thanks. And we begin by giving thanks now as we sing. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Let's all stand. And listen to the words as you sing them. Because the main reason we need to give thanks is because of what Jesus has done for us. Even if we don't have anything else on this earth, even if we don't have any money, even if we don't have any food, we know that we have eternal life waiting us in heaven. And that was because Jesus Christ died for us so that we might live. And so as we give thanks, let us remember this truth more than any other truth and give thanks with a grateful heart. Let's sing.